Well, a good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Entering Stage Right. I'm D. Paul Thomas, actor and playwright, podcasting from the heartland of America here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and joining me all the way from the left coast, but always entering stage right, is my co-host, the wonderful actor and director of some of the biggest hits in TV history, Philip Charles McKenzie. A good day to you, Philip. And a good day to you, D. Paul. Uh, this is yeah. a uh, this is a special day for us. So well, uh, it, go it ahead. It is. It is. We're, we're we're going to forego our usual opening banter about the California scene because we do have a very special guest with us. And please, Philip, take a take a moment to introduce him to our listening audience. Yes, uh, for for our listeners, uh, we we touched upon this last week uh, in terms of. Uh, continuing the discussion on the cancel culture and uh, and how it has e- um, infested my word the um, our business what we do we are artists we are actors we are in show business and I had mentioned last week a um, I stumbled upon the uh, a website uh, of the Beverly Hills Playhouse which is one of the top teaching uh, schools in this country which was founded 40 years ago by Milton Katselis one of the great teachers of our age who has since uh, passed on and I was curious just to see during the uh, during the uh, virus nonsense, uh, how uh, how the Beverly Hills Playhouse was doing with a with a functioning with a online with and I just you know and I and I uh, went on to the website and I saw something that said uh, free speech and my first thought was oh boy them them too so I clicked on it and. Um, I was flabbergasted that it was absolutely the antithesis of what I had expected mm. in terms of uh, critical race theory uh, uh, and the cancel culture. And I made it a point instantly to email the owner and CEO of the Beverly Hills Playhouse, uh, Alan Barton, to uh, give him a mazel tov and a congratulation. So our guest today is... Uh, none other than Alan Barton, who um, is uh, not only uh, a uh, who owns the Beverly Hills Playhouse, but he is a playwright and a concert pianist as well. So, mm. Alan, welcome to Entering Stage Right. Deep Paul and I are thrilled to have you. It's a pleasure to be here. I was uh, so happy that you tripped and fell on our website. <laughs> <laughs> and that we got to meet, and I listened to the podcast. I've listened to all the episodes you guys have done so far, and just couldn't agree more with every syllable out of both of your mouths. So it's a mm-hmm. it's a pleasure to have sort of found each other this way. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and and it is great to have you with us, Alan. And and thank you, thank you so much for joining us. As as you know, today's discussion is centering on the let's call it the reality of cancel culture, what it means, its implications, and specifically how it pertains to the arts. Since we are all artists, you seem to be one of multi-talent. Uh, I love the fact that you're also a, a classical pianist, and um, my my uh, 
first wife, God bless her, was actually a staff accompanist at uh, Juilliard School of Music. And oh, uh, a topic uh, for uh, later discussion. <laughs> it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, Dropping uh, hints, Paul. Yes, a little hints. <laughs> well, foreshadowing. No, it's an foreshadowing. Yeah, well. it's exactly. A dramatic technique. Foreshadowing. <laughs> it is. It is. And uh, but purely on an intellectual almost keeping it on a cerebral level alan here at the beginning what what does cancel culture mean to you when you just hear the phrase in general i guess i would say it's um <clears throat> an atmosphere of coerced enlightenment um where some mob uh mafia inspired group has decided what enlightenment is uh, what it means to what, what you're supposed to say, what you're supposed to think, what you're supposed to do. And, uh, and they enforce it. They coerce it. If you don't abide by the dictates, they will defame you and, uh, cancel you. That's what the cancel comes from. They will, uh, wreck your life, try to wreck your business, try to have you kicked out, uh, basically cancel your existence. And what's particularly, uh, odious about it is that it's retroactive. So once they decide on an enlightened bit of uh, thought, they can go back. And if 10 years ago they find something that you said that doesn't conform to the current sense of what's enlightened, they'll still cancel you. And, uh, and hence you see the cancellation of you know, Shakespeare, Beethoven, anyone who likes Beethoven, anyone who listens to Beethoven. You know. So it, it's sort of, uh, it has an infinite timeline, retroactive, and it's uh, pretty lethal. I mean, I don't think they, you know, it's not lethal like the mafia will that they're like, they will actually rub you out, but uh, they'll try to rub out you as a professional. Right. Uh, it's as, a, as, a, as an autonomous, free, creative artist. Yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 related to that, um, uh, Alan, uh, it, it, it is very ominous what you were just saying, and it's mm. true, but the way, you, the way you posited it is very ominous, and that makes me... Uh, want to ask you, knowing the risk of what's going on in not only the culture in general today, but especially in the arts, um, and the arts meaning creative, creative freedom, freedom, the word freedom, how, um, how did you arrive at um, your position, uh, in uh, rather political and cultural position that you uh, that you spoke about um, that you speak about on your website. How how did how did you arrive at that and to go from the general to the specific and how that relates to you defending and standing up for the Beverly Hills Playhouse and artists? Well, in general, I mean politically, I've been more uh, like the two of you my whole adult life. So, and then I went to uh, Harvard which is not that, <clears throat> you know, so I spent four years in Cambridge and then I went into show business here in Los Angeles for another 30 years. So I've always been on enemy turf politically. And I just, I think I've learned over the years, to, uh, what I thought was the way to go, which is to understand and debate and be reasonable and be interesting. And, uh, and that's how I led my life, uh, all the way back at college, there'd be two hour long uh, very animated debates amongst my roommates or amongst people at the dining hall. And that's what it was. That was the fun of it. And the same happened out in Los Angeles over the years. Not that I led a very political life, but I've just always been interested in it and always kept kind of up to speed about what was going on. I had my opinions and was free, felt free to talk about them. 
And then social media came about, uh, Facebook and all that. And I, <clears throat> I would sort of entertain a, a forum on Facebook. I would talk about what was going on. And being in show business, obviously, that would bring a lot of heat, you know. But it was back in the day, like up through t- up to 2016, it was a genial kind of heat. You know, people would come after you right. on Facebook, and there would be comment chains going a hundred long, and and sometimes you'd get sick of someone and kick them off or edit them or whatever. But it was basically good fun. Yeah, and uh, it all changed when uh, Trump hit office, and it became, you know, my ethic was, hey, I may disagree with you. I may hate the person you voted for, but I don't hate you. Mm. And I totally understand why you voted for them. And now we can have a debate. When Trump hit, it totally went off the rails. And the attitude became, if you voted for this person that I hate from their end, you're someone I hate. You're someone who has the characteristics that we think Trump has. You deserve to be blah, blah, blah. And it was so hyperbolic. And it came right at me directly ad hominem so i noticed that over the last four years that it was and, getting and you know really we had uh, and over you and I, you, you and i uh um, alan and uh, Deep paul and i have spoken to this uh, uh ad infinitum uh as is it was it wasn't just a hatred of 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 trump and trump derangement syndrome which is a classic media um phrase it it, it became a and, and still is a psychosis there's yes. something something snapped in the culture um something that 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 went as you said beyond you cannot discuss anymore that you are the enemy we are yeah. and you know so i'm, I'm sorry i i, I just no, wanted I, to throw agree, that in but that's sort of we have to talk about that because that's part of what happened last summer in terms of how cancel culture hit me hit the beverly hills playhouse is that it has that antecedent sort of vibe yeah. a sort of psychotic very brittle hyperbolic atmosphere where what used to be debate became just completely ad hominem vitriolic attack. So anyway, George Floyd happened, uh, the events there. And I don't know how involved you guys are in social media, but there was a certain day where it was commanded from, you know, wherever that everyone needed to post a black square for their profile photo on Instagram. I remember that. Yeah. And I hate that stuff. I hate coercion and I hate the virtue signaling. And, you know, I, it just mm-hmm. drives me crazy saying, I, I, you know, not advocating for what happened to Mr. Floyd or anything. I just don't like oh, that stuff. Dear Lord, no. So being a bit cheeky on my personal account, which I'm not a big social media guy. I have maybe 100 people follow my personal account on Instagram. But there I posted a red square, which is just me being a little bit cheeky. I didn't say anything. I just posted a red square, mm-hmm. if you get the symbolism. Mm-hmm. And... Um, And so, but, and on the Playhouse accounts, I didn't do anything. I just did not acknowledge the event. And nor have I ever acknowledged any political social event using the Playhouse channels. I don't talk about politics. I don't use the Playhouse to advocate or do anything like that. Uh, And what happened was that someone lit a bonfire. You know, this was observed by a student who had been with me for 12 years and who I can tell you, I did more for this guy in 12 years than I probably did for any student in 30 years association of the school. I mean, I really championed this guy, um, helped him in class, out of class, relationships, money, advice, putting him in plays, directing him in plays, writing parts for him. I mean, above and beyond across the board, 12 years, this guy lit a torch and he went on Instagram and just took me apart for failing to acknowledge black lives matter. 
and uh, went after the school and said that the school was no longer considered safe in his view for people of color, gays, women, uh, trans, overweight. I mean, everything, everything. Like the school became this <laughs> yes. toxic place run by a madman, run by the epitome, a gaslighting. The epitome of everything. Yes, I was. I suddenly became a gaslighting, manipulative monster. Uh, and mm. people just started piling on. It was the emotions of the moment, and it's a mob atmosphere online. And so people just started piling on to this thing on Facebook and on Instagram. And I was sort of watching this happen in astonishment um, because these were friends of mine, I considered. I was getting threatening text messages um, from mm. people who I knew, you know, saying things like, we're all watching we're watching what you're about to do. You're not going to get away with this. Like really sort of yeah. bizarre, dark, threatening yeah. messages. But the word, the word Nazi and fascist comes to mind, but, but yeah, anyway, absolutely. So this just lit this bonfire. A few days later, I got a demand letter <laughs> uh, and it was signed by 70 people, most of whom were former students. Like only two people were actually currently enrolled students of mine. Oh, wow. But uh, most were former going all the way back 10 years. Some people hadn't set foot in that theater in 10 years. And I was like, mm. what is your name doing on this? How did this get to that person? And then several people I didn't even know, never heard of. But it was a demand letter saying that uh, change needed to come to the playhouse. There needed to be new leadership. Uh, there needs to be essentially a cultural revolution. Stop talking about white playwrights. Stop having any white male teachers. Uh, the usual list that we've probably come familiar with. Um, and uh, essentially calling me out as a racist, maybe not in that term, you know, in that way, but the entire demand letter and its context was basically calling me out and oh, playing yeah. us out. Uh, but what they what 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 they what they failed to realize, and I know you told me it would be fun for you to address that as a uh, new leadership. Uh, a lot of people need new board members, and uh, yes. in, in your instance, uh, you own the joint. Yeah, well, I was <laughs> so, laughable because so, they were they were talking so, to me as if I was uh, a university or a nonprofit, and maybe they thought I was. I don't know. Right. That they thought maybe some board was out there that would come in. And take their side. And take and care of you, me, yeah. Take care of me, have me removed. Yeah. And part of me was just like, oh, you people don't even know what business is. But anyway, you know, yeah, I'm a <laughs> privately held company. I am the sole shareholder. I am the board of directors. So uh, none of this was going to go anywhere. And I was, gonna, I was going to ignore it um, because I, it was threatening. And it said, you have 72 hours to respond, and I, you know. And you got to also keep oh. in mind at this moment, my business was being demolished by COVID lockdowns. I mean, yeah. that was the five alarm fire. That was a 60 foot tsunami on top of a force five hurricane on top of a, I mean, the, a massive cataclysm for the business. So in the middle of that, a bunch of people start yelling at you. You're sort of like, well, who cares about you people? I'm, I'm fighting for my survival here. But I knew a lot of people were watching this. Um, the playhouse, mm. you know, there's mm. thousands of people who have gone through that place and who may know me. And I thought they're all out there. They want to know sure. it needs to be addressed. And so I took a few days, took a couple days and I wrote a letter, basically a letter to the mob and sent it out back to the people who had sent me this thing. And, uh, mm. to as many people who I knew had signed that thing and, uh, basically addressing their concerns. Um, 
and trying to give some context and trying to sort of my own version of back in uh uh, Huack, you know, the gentleman who said, have you no decency at long last, you know, um, mm-hmm. trying to be sort of that person about debate, about tolerance, about all of it, uh, acceding to none of their demands about the school, uh, and sort of laying it out there and saying, yeah, and, and saying, yes, I do think black lives matter. If you're wondering, yes, I do. But no one ever asked me that. No one called me up. No one engaged me in a debate about George Floyd or about racism in America. Nobody, not one. And then you call me out. So I wrote this letter, and that's what was. This is a, sorry to go on for a bit, but that was the basically the preamble that allowed then made me write the free speech manifesto that's on the website, which is kind of a condensed version of the letter and generalized so that anyone who comes to the site can immediately grab onto that letter and know exactly where I stand on all this. Um, so that is the big story about cancel culture as it hit me in the school. And it's, uh, it's quite something. I mean, it's, it's cancel culture has this little alliteration. It sounds cute. Cancel culture. Ha ha. It isn't. It's not cute. No, not cute. And at it's all. no fun to go through. Uh, like during the summer, you know, I've lived my whole life. I've been very fortunate not to suffer from, you know, ups and downs very much. I'm, I've never been a very, someone who would say I deal with depression or anything like that. But over the summer, I would talk to friends of mine. I'd be like, yeah, I'm feeling kind of like this, kind of like that. And they're like, you're depressed. I said, is that what this is? <laughs> That's what it, I've heard about I've, that. I've heard about this. I guess I'm finally experiencing it. You know, and a lot of yeah. it was COVID business related because the business was being nuked 30 years of your life. But a lot of it was I lost a lot of friends in this. Yeah, I lost yeah. a lot of friends. Yeah, And the, it's really distressing. One of, one, of, one of the things I think is very important uh, in, in, in your uh, manifesto uh, on, the, uh, on the Beverly Hills uh, Playhouse website is, is what you, uh, what you uh, have said, which I think is a very positive thing, that many people are starting to sign up and want to work there because of what you said. Yeah. Meaning there are people out there, aspiring artists, who haven't, uh, to use DePaul's phrase, drunk. They have, they have not drunk the Kool-Aid. And uh, I find that very, very important and inspiring. Well, throughout the whole last four or five years where you feel like, as you've identified, Philip, sort of this psychotic break in America, I have actually found a far more people who on an individual level will come up to me, whisper in my ear, wink, <laughs> nudge, you know, contact me privately to say, hey, I agree. And thank you for taking a stand and blah, blah, blah. They're, you know, and a friend of mine, one of the friends who I really, a very close friend who I lost in this whole thing, used to criticize me for where I stood politically and expressing that, feeling free to express that. He was like, you're the leader of an arts institution. What about these young students who come in and they look to you and they see what you believe? And they're, you know, and I said, but Jay, what about the people who come in and agree with me? And he stumped. And that's what's amazing to me is they literally cannot conceive that someone, that there are people who don't agree with them. Yeah, yeah. You know, it doesn't occur to them. It, it's this you mindset know, you know, that I cannot. It's very difficult it, to get my it, head around. I, I have I have two experiences with with, with that. When I was doing um, mostly in my directing days, because I hadn't acted in many years in my directing days, being on a set, people would think nothing of ranting and raving all kinds of leftist stuff. 
And I could smell right away because I had moved from the left to the right that uh, you can't do that. But they feel that they can. They, yes. they, they feel no compunction at all to do that. And the other instance I had is I, 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 won't, I won't use her name because I loved her so much. And Dee Paul and I were both very close to her is a, a wonderful actress um, that we both knew um, died recently. And um, I remember many years ago at a, uh, at a symposium that she ranted and raved about how could anybody in the arts be conservative it was unfathomable to her and even when i was on even when i was on the left and this is when this happened when i was still on the left even then it made no sense to me what you were just saying, Alan, to, to, it, that it's inconceivable that a creative artist, whether it's a, a piano player, whether it's a concert pianist, a painter, sculptor, writer, could actually have be a traditionalist and a conservative. That just yeah. And I think part of what mind. happened to me was part of the subtext was you know the the surface reason for coming after me was my failure to acknowledge BLM in the way they demanded I acknowledge it. The subtextual reason was punishment for believing what I believe and that I was out there. I was known for my beliefs. Like I said, I engaged on Facebook. I would have debates on the sidewalk or at a bar, the Dresden over in Los Feliz, you know, after class. And we would talk about what was going on in the world. And I was out there. I just didn't apologize for it. And I think part of what happened last summer was almost like, yeah, well, here's what you get. Yeah. Because yeah. now we're yeah. now we're all together. We're a mob. We have social media on our side, and we're we're coming after you. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and, I'm uh, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead no, I, I'm 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 curious, Alan. Um, to your response to your manifesto, and for some reason, uh, it just almost reminds me of Martin Luther. You know, <laughs> and Wittenberg going to the door and putting up his 36 or however many, I can't even remember the theses, yeah. you know, and right. saying, here I stand, here I stand. And um, I'm just curious, have you had any kind then of uh, the rational um, uh, response to your response to them that has, that has come across your desk or, you know, in emails or anything else? Zero. Zero, but 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 yet not you do have people who want to study with you. That's syllable. important, though. Well, no, no, but we're talking. Not you, one. You syllable. mean of that of the group of seventy and so that went ahead and got all of this together, in essence, indicting you, in essence, mm -hmm. saying what you need to do to be change mm -hmm. of leadership. This that, and then you answered, responded. By the way, I've 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 read the letter and the manifesto. And again, it's clear, it's rational, it's compassionate, it's balanced. It is truly a position that an artist historically of integrity that believes in objectivity, that believes in, in uh, the absolute right for the artist to have a perfect freedom of expression, whatever that may be, and more importantly, in relationship to acting, to be able to move into someone else's shoes who may not believe or act like you, that none of those people responded to? Not one. 
I got, there were a couple petty emails from, from people who I didn't know. And they just went to complaining about something that happened to them in class eight years ago. Yeah. Like ah, just stupid stuff. They had, no, had nothing to do getting, with race. Yeah. Anything. Now we're getting into one of my favorite. And I didn't even know them and I didn't even acknowledge it. But uh, no, uh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. people who I knew, people who know me, like the, the part that was devastating is that a lot of these people knew me, worked with me yeah. for years, yeah. years. Yeah. yeah. Not one. You know, what, what, you, what, you, what you just said, uh, um, Alan, uh, it leads into one of my, my huge uh, uh, concerns is, is victimhood. Mm-hmm. You know, victimhood. Everybody's a victim of something. You know, and 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 it le- it leads me into you know moving. You know, DePaul mentioned uh, that his uh, his uh, ex wife was a uh, uh, an accompanist at at Juilliard. Well, you know, Juilliard uh, being one of the main uh, teaching institutions, uh, uh, conservatories in the country, they have uh, they have. Um, they they have gone down the road of the cancel culture as well, um, and there's an amazing article by uh, Heather McDonald, who's a terrific uh, terrific writer, <clears throat> and she talks about how the um, how uh, it has be uh, Juilliard now has has become has announced a, a series of community meetings to address. Equity, diversity, inclusion, and belonging, EDIB. I love acronyms. They're all so much fun. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the school's growing cadre of diversity bureaucrats. That's a good job to have. I, I might look into that. Uh, uh, in, in anti-racism work. Essentially saying, essentially saying that the school needs to become an anti-racist community. And the school has sponsored blacks only... Blacks only healing spaces, and they recommend that students and faculty read the books of Ta Nehisi Coates, Robin DiAngelo, Ibram uh, Kendi, and uh, Michelle Alexander to understand systemic racism. As if these people have a have a you know um, a, uh, a corner on, on the truth, and what, what has what has come down is the 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 students have claimed that and this goes to what I was just saying about 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 uh, victimhood is everything is an unsafe place and I I don't quite understand it's an it, unsafe uh, they are they are being they are being assaulted and they, they use these words as if people are putting them in a corner of a room and beating the daylights uh, yeah. out of them you uh, know philip i, Go I, I gotta interrupt you for just a Go second ahead. because both you and alan are wonderful teachers uh, i'm 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 just a, a bum actor and playwright okay and <laughs> okay but, okay <laughs> no <laughs> we'll let you say that <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 no but 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 you are you're both extraordinary teachers and i and i have taught at the lambs in new york city and other places but essentially it is not my gift you are both gifted in that area among many other areas my question to both of you is this wasn't there a time in in, in in our teaching, in which you asked that young man, that young woman, that young person to come and step onto that stage without a safety net? Forget even the phrase safe. Get, get rid of the parachute, gang. 
I mean, it, wasn't that the ethos of sort of what the acting school was and your growth and was all about, Alan? Isn't that what art is about itself? <laughs> you know, like the very nature of expression is uh, no safety net. You're not going to write anything worthwhile if there's a safety net. Um, uh, yeah, the look, uh, the hypocrisy is no longer a word that serves to define what That's we true. see. It's not strong. It is, it you need, is an insignificant some, word given the reality. Yeah. You need some sort of, you know, galactic hypocrisy, you know, uh, and the irony, yeah. the stupidity of it all, uh, to mm. see these people complain about their safety. I'm going, really? Cause two years ago, no one was going on like this. Were you unsafe then? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, and, no. and I watched this may seem completely from out of outer space, but we just recently in my, my kid is a huge Michael Jackson fan. So we watched this documentary about Michael Jackson and uh, it was amazing to watch even in his day with eighties and all that, the utter effortless ease with which white producers, white uh, black producers, white songwriters, black songwriters, collaboration across the board. It wasn't even addressed in the documentary. There wasn't anything in this documentary about racism, about this, that, 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 that. It was just this great collection of really talented people helping this man become the best he could be. One of his main choreographers was a this white guy who looked like he could have been an accountant in a in a firm, and uh, you know what I mean. Like, and he was like the main choreographer, Latino, black, everything. It was yeah. effortless, and it wasn't even being addressed. And yet now, every day, what irritates me every day is that everything, everything is being filtered through this hyperbolic racial hysteria. Yeah. You know, I think Heather McDonald said in that article about Juilliard, you know, we don't have a racism problem. We have a racial hysteria problem. Yeah. And everything mm -hmm. is being mm -hmm. sent through this lens and can be interpreted any which way. I, I, I literally don't, can't believe we haven't had major campaigns to rename the White House. And... I don't know how you get out of it, you know, except through leadership. And we, we spoke... Uh, in one of our sessions, you know, about where's the leadership? That's what's been appalling to me is to see the leadership class, both corporate, artistic, academia, theater companies, whatever it is, be completely cowardly, obsequious, pusillanimous, whatever the word is. They just bow down before every complaint. Mm -hmm. Someone says they're offended. Someone says something happened and they felt unsafe or what have you going to the safetyism issue. Philip. Yes. Where it's not yeah. safety, it's safetyism. It's a safety <laughs> cult. Yeah. And anything they say is true and anything they say must be addressed with getting on your knees and apologizing for sins that you I don't believe any of these people really think they've committed. Well, it, it goes it goes it goes beyond apologizing. It it becomes it becomes a phony groveling, you know, yeah. and, and 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 I was it, literally in the middle of the night last night, uh I was awake thinking about our uh podcast today and and i something happened in my head and I, I, going back to what i said about victimhood there's an arrogance yes of victimhood yes it's not that i am a victim oh poor me oh my gosh i can't you know if someone says something i'm offended if someone says something i am wounded i am this and it 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 goes beyond being a victim. It becomes it becomes a badge of honor. So I'm calling it the arrogance of of victimhood. And when Kinsella's called it the arrogance of a loser, he wrote a chapter about it. There in his you book, go. 
25 years ago. Well, then <laughs> Milton and I were on the, of a loser. Then, then Milton and I were on the same wavelength. That that is Whoa. that is that is true because it becomes the badge, and it yeah. becomes the you know uh, when, whenever an actor says to me in in class and and they use the word well I'll try I said no 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 try is an out. Try means you're not going to do it. Try is, as Milton said, what you just said, uh, Alan, is, is, is the sign of a loser. I will try. No, you won't try. You just do it. And, uh, and, and I, I tell my actors That's all the Yoda, time. Yoda, man, right there. Yoda, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> there um, is no try. I, 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 Only I knew, he, I knew he was a cool <laughs> little guy. Um, <laughs> But you know, I, I you know I, I'm old enough. Uh, I know this is going down a, a slightly different road, but um, all right, I'm watching the time. I'm I know, time. I understand. Uh, but it, it, it's it's interesting to me how this discussion is is going from the specific of what we do as artists into the in, in, in into the general. Now, I'm old enough to remember. Um, the Civil Rights Act uh, and the Voting Rights Act, nineteen sixty four, sixty five, when when systemic racism actually was wiped out, it didn't exist anymore. And to me, and my experience in this world and in the arts, starting from the seventies up to the present time, Black America has made incredible strides. The percentage of the black uh, uh, um, community that are not only in the working class, but in the professional class. I teach um, uh, many uh, young black and uh, actors and actresses whose parents, one's a doctor, one's a lawyer. It, they have come so far. And this Black Lives Matter thing, which is strictly a, a, a Marxist organization, they are and then talking about Jim Crow and it's it's it doesn't exist, but they have to bring it up. They have to bring it up to negate the progress of their own community. Well, yeah, yeah and I, I would just interject there that um, again, you know, there is a there is a power power struggle that is going on here, and and eventually, of course, all of this uh, the penultimate conclusion will be reparations. You know, demanded right across the board, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know what's so interesting is, and Al and I, you and I have just met and communicated a little, and Philip and I have known each other over the years, and uh, uh, you know we're involved in liberal organizations, and and uh, then certainly his transition, my transition, uh, seems to me like you've been a faithful warrior if you, if, if, if 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 you're uh, at Harvard and uh, doing what I think you were <laughs> doing at Harvard you you you've got thicker skin you know than uh, some of us do um, God bless you but you know we all have been involved in social issues and in caring for our fellow man and in wanting to make sure that indeed the playing field is equal. Now, of course, they want some to start on the 20 yard line and others to start on the 40. And it, hey, that's it, equity, man. Yeah, and that is what it is. But I, I just want to, before we, 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 we kind of move on here for just a kind of a positive word from you and, and Philip out of the debacle that's going on at Juilliard, 
uh, I just want to, you know, personally say I can understand the depression that you have experienced because what you have done is not easy. And it is going to be a template, if not a vanguard school, that can witness to the entire arts community of individuals who are, boom, good, sound, loving, caring people who want to teach the craft of acting. And it, it, when you were talking about that uh, loss of friends and so forth, I, I'm, I'm reminded, and I don't have it in front of me, it's a paraphrase of the, the, that great uh, man of literature, writer, uh, John Dos Passos. And, and Dos Passos at one point said, um, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but it, something to the effect that artistic maturity, part of artistic maturity, is coming to the realization that one will lose friends on the journey. Hmm. It, will, it will sadly happen. And it doesn't happen, you know, with joy. It's like, my God, why? And it's because there is, as Philip has just said, under this guise of equity, there is a Marxist leitmotif that is running that wants to destroy almost everything it touches. The bottom line being the transformation of culture and society and a new power put in, in relationship to what may just be happening organically and positively. And that's the reason why the arts are being attacked, because if we can control them, if you can be controlled, then guess what? We can control culture, and we can move right back to, yes. We could maybe Nazi. have a, a ministry of culture. Hey. Wow, what a concept. Hey, that would be a concept. <laughs> yes. We could really get it all lined up if we just had a, a ministry of culture. Yes, and have, and, <laughs> and, and, and have some leftist define for us what culture is. Yeah. Which is what and, they're doing. That's what Juilliard. Is, that's what this Juilliard story is. That's right. That's exactly what they're doing. And, you know. And, I, go ahead, please. Hey, give give yeah. me a positive note, gentlemen. Uh, Alan, <laughs> Alan first, and Philip, in terms of what your hope is for the school and the arts in general, because well, Phil, Philip can even be upbeat about uh, these things as well, and you suggested as such, Philip. But go ahead, Alan. Yeah. yeah I think. Uh, I th first of all, uh, thank you for what you said in that quotation. Um, it, it helps to have context of uh, the people who've gone th through this before from in other uh, in other ways. Uh, I've you know I am hopeful. I in terms of the school, the primary issue for me since last March has been the the lockdowns and trying economically to become viable. And so that there's that uh, in front of me in terms of what I see coming up for the playhouse. But as Philip mentioned, because I told him, you know, I've, since I posted that thing on free speech on our website, I've had several students, who, new students, who've come to me or have sent word through the staff that they started because they read that. And I thought, uh-huh. And these are young people. And I thought, uh-huh. There, there's a groundswell. There, there are people, I think there are factually more people who agree with us, maybe not politically, but culturally on this matter, than there are revolutionaries and Maoists. Uh, 
But and I think we just need to encourage them to speak up, encourage leaders to speak up, take a stand, uh, don't be afraid, take the hits. And if uh, a relatively small number of the, I think, majority who agree with us would do it, I think a lot of this would fade pretty quick. And I think it can. Uh, and I am hopeful for that and that hopefully the playhouse, which is this tiny little school with a building on Robertson Boulevard in Beverly Hills, you know, it's not Juilliard, but yeah, maybe but my little international place, reputation. It's, it's known, it's known across m- the board. Maybe my little school there can be the start of something where I put that thing on the website and maybe another theater company head thinks, well, you know what? I agree. And I'm sick of this. I'm going to put something up. And it spreads, and that will be uh, hopefully a faster and more resolute spread than this Maoist revolutionary uh, nonsense we've been seeing over the last year. You know, mm. uh, for, for, from from my part, I was thinking when when you were speaking, Alan. One of the things I love <clears throat> about about teaching uh, the teaching of acting uh, is when I am in the room, or in this last year or so on Zoom. When I am one-on-one with an actor or an actress, it's about the work. And almost to a person, the, the, the young folks and people who have been around the business a while, when we work, the focus is on the work. And and first of all, I would I do not allow politics to be spoken of uh, in my class yes. because I I believe art is about 100%. the uh, uh, is is about the uplifting of the human spirit and 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 politics is about raw power and destruction. But my 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 positive uh, uh, thought about this is when I am one on one with an actor, we are about the work. We are about. Ex- Expanding their horizons as 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 artists, and and that feeds me back, and um, and those folks are going to continue. And the one thing I will very much agree with you uh, on, Alan, is 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 some of the folks and a lot of the folks who agree with us culturally, culturally at least, uh, need to just step up and not be afraid. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Now, there's that old school bell, gentlemen, even though punctuality is no longer important, apparently, at Juilliard. Um, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, uh, punctuality uh, is part of the white supremacist paradigm, right? Oh, yes, yes, it is. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, here we are, here we are. Um, we just want to take a, a second or two here. we got just a couple of minutes. We've gone over to almost 45 minutes here, and it's just been such a joy. Uh, Philip, just uh, please thank, thank, thank Mr. Allen for this uh, beautiful, beautiful time together. I will do that. Thanks, Mr. Allen. Uh, I do that in a very formal way. No, what, what, what's been great? What's been great about this is 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 uh, is your willingness to uh, join us and uh, and 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 speak your mind. And one of the things that Deep Paul and I um, uh, love about what we do here on Entering Stage Right is to stay as courageous as we can and speak the speak truth. And, uh, and, and you're joining us today and, and, uh, given your personal, uh, uh, circumstance, uh, to, 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 to speak the truth. And we really, really appreciate you being here and joining us. Thanks. 
Yeah, it's I, been a great uh, privilege to join you, gentlemen. Um, I think it's great what you're doing, and uh, I hope you keep doing it. And uh, I hope more and more people hear it, and f- more importantly, more and more people act upon what they hear and try to change this thing. Because if people don't stand up to change it, we will have a ministry of culture. Hmm. Thanks, Alan. And um, uh, again, just um, appreciate appreciate your joining us so very much. <laughs> Well, it is that time, ladies and gentlemen, and Philip and Alan to wrap it up. Say goodbye to our listeners, and in way of reminder, friends, regardless of what's going on in this crazy, topsy-turvy world of ours, we live in a great country because it's a free country, and we've got a lot to be thankful for. So till we meet again, this is Deepal Thomas and... Philip Charles McKenzie with our guest... Yes, Mr. Alan Alan Barton. Barton. Thank you so much again, inviting you to join us next week. And I hope you'll join us again sometime, Alan, for another podcast of Entering Stage Right. The pants, your baggage with the labels pasted on. The sawdust and the horses and the smell. The towel you've taken from the lap.